0: Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Howdy everyone! Welcome uh, to an episode of The Doctor's Companion.
1: Tarnation. Tarnation. <laughs> I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith.
0: And we're from mindrobber.net, uh, the home site of Mind Robber Productions, where we talk about all the things on podcasts, uh, like Doctor Who on this podcast, The Doctor's Companion, and uh, our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about everything that isn't Doctor Who. Uh, and sometimes Doctor Who. I got to be honest. Sometimes <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> if you like our shows, you should review them on iTunes. Uh, but uh, if you're going to review us, don't review us based on our opinions. Uh, voy- <laughs> review us based on how we back up said opinions. You know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you don't agree with us, don't give us a bad review. That's ridiculous. Just saying. Anyway, if you have questions about that or other things, <laughs> you can email us uh, at podcast at mindrobber.net. Or uh, you can go to the website mindrobber.net, find the post for this episode, and leave a comment to let us know what you're thinking and tell us what you thought about this episode. And today we're going to be talking about the episode A Town Called Mercy, which is the third episode of the seventh series. Of uh, of new Doctor Who, uh, only two more to go. Uh. Wow!
1: Already? Wow! <laughs> it makes Breaking Bad look like you know a season of Deep Space Nine. Good God!
0: <laughs> You're not wrong. Um. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, a town called Mercy. Um. For those of you listen to us for a while, you know that. Uh Matt and I have a a huge soft spot for, for Toby Woodhouse. Um for my money, I don't think there's a better Doctor Who writer uh consistently writing currently. Um I, I I just I think he I think he gets the show in a way that um I don't know. None of the other writers really seem to. They all seem to be trying to do a Moffaty thing which you know Moffat has his own very unique vision of Doctor Who which was cool and it's sort of uh, outworn its welcome for me um and I think Matt but I don't want to speak for him uh but Toby Woodhouse is doing a thing that both feels classic and new and I just I just think he's an awesome writer and I think that he should be uh show running the show after uh, Stephen Moffat leaves, and I've been saying that for a while. And a town called Mercy really just cemented that fact for me, because uh, this is this was a phenomenal episode, um, and made the other two episodes worth it uh, to get here. Um, unfortunately, uh, there's a good chance that it's all downhill from here. Uh, <laughs> but well, you know, I don't want to I don't want to judge the episodes uh, before we get there because. The preview for the next one looks really good, so I'm hoping for the best from that. Um, but before we get talking to that, I do.
1: I well, let's let's talk about a town called Mercy, Matt. What did you think? Uh, yeah, I really really liked this. Um, I think um, uh, I think I was I went in. I I don't know. I guess I've just been hankering for really good Doctor Who lately. And when I watched it the first time, I quite liked it, but I didn't love it as much as I thought I would. And rewatching it, I actually found I liked it a lot more. There's a couple of points where I kind of had a little bit of a problem with it um, uh, but but more than anything like it you're right like the the White House vision of Doctor. Who is absolutely a vision of Doctor Who that I want to see moving forward um, and it is like I mean it's a stark contrast to the other things, because it's—I mean—you can tell that there's a little bit of Moffat influence in in this, but Windhouse is basically just the new Moffat at this point. Like, if you look at the Moffat stories under the Davies era, like they were Daviesy in places, but they were very Moffat uh, all through, and you could tell that. And I mean,
0: they stuck they, out from the rest of the season, yeah. Um, and despite because Davies- they they yeah they felt like without a doubt part of the Davies. Uh, era and the Davies regime, but they still stuck out and you could point to them and be like, that's a Moffat episode. And then, you know, somebody else could be like, oh, like this one and this one and this one. They're like, yeah. And you're like, yeah, those were all Moffat episodes. They just, they stuck out. And, and some people will say, well, they stuck out because of the quality of the episodes, but it's like, well, no, they just, they had a unique voice. That voice was a very strong uh, uh, voice, full of awesome quality at the time, but it's still—it was the unique voice that made those episodes stick out. And and you're totally right. That's what Whithouse has going for him because. It, his episodes stick out in a good way, I think.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I mean, Davies, if you, in his, in the writer's tale, which is his book that he wrote, um, or I guess the published emails, um, he does, he says that he doesn't rewrite Moffat scripts. Like, he said that at the time, by the time he got to Silence in the Library, he literally just printed it out and read it on his bed and didn't really touch it at all. Um, hmm. uh, I mean, I'm sure that he had notes, but they were, but he didn't like, you know, Davies rewrote pretty much like a page one polish of fires of Pompeii, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and like watching Whithouse, house, like I can kind of see the Moffat here a little bit. Like there's certain places, but the thing is that compare like this week's to last week's. Okay. Like uh, Chibnall in dinosaurs on a spaceship is clearly trying to emulate the Moffat style of Dr. Who. White house is doing his own story, but fitting it in such a way that it, It works as, like, it works as a Moffat story, but also has its own, like you said, voice, perspective, point of view. Uh, It's not really anything like the last two stories at all, um, uh, for a lot of reasons that we'll go into. And it's just like, I don't know, I'm watching it, I'm just like, you know what, this is the guy who I want to see. Like, it's just, this is a Doctor Who to me that is interesting, it's engaging, it's fun, it's exciting, um, and I, I don't know, I had a hell of a good time with this one. Like, this was a, yeah. this was a lot, a lot of fun. I still, I don't know, I still think the God Complex is better, but what's interesting is that I went back, I was thinking about this episode, and, and I mean, I, I'll go into this more later, but Withouse, man, he's just getting more withousey y Like, he is, he, just, yeah. he is getting withouse and and it's, and it's really fun to see, and it's really like, you know, where he's pushing himself is a very compelling place, and I'm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm legitimately not excited that we're getting two episodes from Chibnall and two episodes from Gaitis and one from Whithouse. Like that doesn't seem doesn't seem fair. Does and it? as
0: far as we know, no White House on the other side either. Yeah. Yeah, and you'd um, think
1: that they would mention it by now. But there right. is ru- Well, I mean, I mean the, it
0: makes it makes sense that he wouldn't be because I mean, he is show running his own show, right? Uh, exactly. So,
1: I mean, yeah. then again, so is Gatus and so is Chibnall. Um, is Chibnall? Chibnall? Has, What's Chibnall doing? Uh, it's I forget what it's called, but it's a show starring David Tennant that's coming out later. Like if you follow his um his Twitter account, he actually has been on Twitter blackout for the last like month plus because he's working on his show. Um, I forget what. It's not Law and Order. It's something new. Um, for the BBC, or ITV, I don't remember. But, um, you know, looking at the other side of this, like, you know, you have, there's the, there's, we're, there's you have two Gatiss episodes, a couple Moffat episodes, uh, Neil Cross, who's the creator of Luther, and you have Neil Gaiman announce that he's working on one that is supposed to go this year, unless they run out of money, like they did in Season 5. And then, um, uh, there's also rumor that Tom McRae is working on one. Tom uh, girl aunt, girl who waited McRae. So that doesn't leave a whole lot of spots for Toby Whitehouse. But you know right. what, man? Like I don't know. This is just. It's what I want. Like it's it's what I want. It was legitimately surprising in a lot of ways. It was exciting. Stahl, Saul Saul Metzstein is great. Um, and it just shows you what a guy who's given some given a lot of room to play with in a a great tapestry of genre really does with it. Um, so, I mean, we'll talk about it more later, but I was really impressed with this and this is easily my favorite of the season so far. And it's, um, you know, it's <laughs> based on that criteria. It's actually my favorite since the last time Toby Whitehouse wrote for Dr. Who. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, you're not so, wrong. Yeah. You're so, wrong. Uh, so, so it's nice. And I'm really excited because I mean, the person who's taking over, it's either Gatiss or it's Whitehouse. And I hope to God it's Whithouse. Um, cause, I don't know. I don't know, but we'll see. I, I don't want it to be Gatiss. I really don't. Um, no, I don't either. And it's not cause like, I mean, Gatiss is a very, I mean, I don't, I don't hate Gaitis. I just think Gatiss is a very average writer and there's nothing special about him. Um, and, and, and that sounds really like a slam, but like, I just, I don't think, I don't think he's a one, like, I don't think he's got the, um, the, I don't want to sound too Douchey about it, but it's like I don't think he has like the 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 sheer imagination or willpower to pull out constant Doctor Who like you need to. um And he
0: doesn't he doesn't have the he doesn't have the background to be show running Doctor Who either. Well, he's the runner of Sherlock,
1: like that's his thing. He's the showrunner of Sherlock.
0: Oh, I don't no, I don't count that. That's not (laughs) that's not even a show. It's three movies. Uh, that that is being written by him, the guy that's currently show running, uh, currently show running Doctor Who, and has show run tons of other things, and co show runs Sherlock. Like I just, that doesn't that doesn't count. That's like, I no, I don't, I don't, sure, I just don't, I no.
1: No. Sure, but that's that's, that's not – it's s- not a
0: real show. It's not a real show.
1: <laughs> but that's what they've said. I was going purely by what they said, but I know what you mean, and I don't – I mean, I don't – I mean, I, it's just – I don't know. Because you, you look at Hounds of Baskerville, and Hounds of Baskerville was not great. Um, so it's like if you can – if you produce three movies and it takes you 18 months to produce them and one is not very good, that's not a very good track record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's the I, one you just, wrote, um, and I think
0: so. uh, I think too. Going back to to what we we're talking about the uh, with the the special thing uh, that Toby Woodhouse brings, um, and comparing that to Moffat, and I think that the thing with Moffat in the Davies era, and I think the the important piece to the puzzle that. Separates his episodes from the Davies the, the his episodes in the Davies era from his uh, his vision of of Doctor Who and 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 uh, his full vision. I think it all comes down to the Doctor in that you know he was writing David Tennant. David Tennant is at the end of the day Russell T Davies' vision of the Doctor. Um, and, and that is the piece that, that's like, that's like the one thing, the, uh, the, the, the one stopgap I guess, um, that contains Moffat. And as soon as he was given free reign to create his own doctor and he created Matt Smith's doctor, that's when his show, like his vision of Doctor Who, uh, uh, I guess, you know, the floodgates opened and and there it is. And I think that's the same could be said about Toby Whithouse because watching this episode, that's the thing that kept it rooted in the Moffat era is that Matt Smith was the doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, and that he was very specifically writing Matt Smith as the doctor with his little Matt Smithisms, Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, like, I talk, I, I talk horse and that whole thing. Um, and you know those are all like charming bits, and the, and he did them all very well. Um, but ultimately, it can't be the Toby Whithouse show until he gets his own doctor. And I think and and it'll it would be interesting to see. I'm I'm much more interested in seeing what Toby Whithouse's vision for the show is with his own doctor uh, than I am with anybody else's. I think. Mm-hmm
1: yeah I, I agree and I think that that's really I mean you're you're right like it is it is very much like I don't know <laughs> I mean last week if you listen I was like Matt Smith will not be my doctor and it's like oh right this is why I really like Matt Smith's doctor like mm-hmm. I, I mean it was just a really great reminder like he was good in asylum but there's a there's a definite like restraint to him here that I which is which is really weird because there is a complete lack of restraint at one point but there is like a I don't know. Whithouse writes The Doctor so good and so different that you can almost see Matt Smith internalizing it and then trying to rationalize it and that rationalization coming out in the performance in a way that is awesome, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, um, and no, that's, absolutely. Yeah, and that's, like, that's what I'm really interested in is that it's not... I mean, I because I, I I weary of the, of the Cat in the Hat Doctor, and there were some moments of that, but instead of, like, the awkward... Uh, who has a Christmas list. Oh, I do! There was like a, oh, you put it on a Christmas list, which actually sounded much more grounded and less like you have some buffoon in the TARDIS. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is, which is it's, really nice. It's
0: just his performance and it's not, okay, I take that back, not his performance. The scripts of writing him have been so wildly inconsistent this season. Um, And, you know, maybe there's a reason for that, uh, which is Something that I'll, I'll get into. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll open my, our discussion, our, 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 our main discussion of A Town Called Mercy with it. Um, but before we get to that, I do want to remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase our book of the month. Uh, Wednesday Comics which features uh, stories by Brian Azzarello, Eduardo Rizzo, Neil Gaiman, Mike Allred, pa- Paul Pope, Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor, Adam and Joe Kubert, Carl Kirsher, Kershel and much much more all of them writing all of your favorite DC Comics heroes um, in in <clears throat> little uh like like Sunday comic strips. Uh it's it's a huge oversized book and you you only pay 29.99 for it. Uh, which is 40% off the suggested retail price of $49.99. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So go ahead and go to InStockTrades.com and buy some comics. Uh, all right, so this season um, so far, I think the, the biggest problem that we're having because there's a moment in this um, that I've heard a lot of people complain about and talk about how it took them out of the episode and it kind of ruined it for them. Um, which is, uh, when the doctor decides that he's gonna go ahead and sacrifice, uh, the sacrifice Jex to the, uh, cyborg and he pulls a gun out on him. And then Amy pulls a gun on him and yada, yada, yada. And like, there's this kind of heavy handed scene where she's just like, no, this is the wrong thing. This isn't what you do. We have to be better than him. Blah, 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 blah. My question becomes, and I think that it's not Toby Woodhouse's fault. This is absolutely Stephen Moffat's fault because he should be figuring out uh, he should be figuring out what the uh, arc of this season is. And I'm sure he knows somewhere in the back of his head, but he's not telling us what it is yet. Uh, and I feel like there's a lot of time passing between these episodes for the doctor. But we're not getting a sense of that, which makes that scene feel really out of place in this episode. Mm-hmm. When, when I, th- when, when, meanwhile, when I think about that scene in the context of what I'm gathering from the little bits of information we've been fed this this season so far in these three episodes, it doesn't feel out of place to me. Or or I feel like it won't feel out of place maybe by the end of episode five. Because I do feel like the Doctor is traveling alone for a really long time between these episodes and we're not really comprehending that as an audience yet. Um, which I think is a mistake and I think hurt that scene a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm absolutely in agreement on that. I think my thing is like... I don't know. I, um, what was, what was I going to say? I, I, no, I agree. My thing is like, there's a line in this episode that, uh, that reminded me of something that happened last season that I remember drove me up the wall, which is between, uh, Toby Woodhouse's episode, the God complex and, uh, Gareth Roberts's closing time. The doctor goes through 200 years that we never see. Um, yeah. And and like you remember if you remember in Impossible Astronaut the doctor says, "Oh, I'm 1106." Which is the which is just saying that um, you know, he's 200 years older than he was when he first started traveling with the Ponds. In this episode, he says he's 1200 years old. Now, the doctor could be rounding, but there's a lack of continuity within the doctor that I don't think is Conducive to creating a um, a cohesive narrative. I mean, I know that it's Doctor Who, and I know that there's like if you go if you watch the classic series, there is room for tons and tons of stories to take place between infinite number of episodes. Sometimes within episodes. I mean, the Fifth Doctor in Frontiers at one point takes the bad guy, takes him off the planet, and you know goes away. Any number of adventures could happen within the span of that moment that happens, and. Uh, there is no continuity to how this storyline is progressing. Like, and I, and I, I, I applaud Whit for almost lampooning it at this point because if you watch, like, like, like Asylum, it's clear that Amy and Rory have been ha- having problems in their marriage for a while, and the doctor disappears and then he comes back with rory's dad and then in this one they're just traveling with him like there, there's no con- sense of continuity there's no sense of relationship there's no sense of time and it's really like it, it's just bizarre it's the weirdest choice it's the weirdest choice that i don't understand and like you know season five moffat you i'd imagine there would be like the the flesh and stone moment where the doctor visits amy without a jacket and you're like oh snap um and I don't feel like there is any of that. And it's and it's really... I mean, it's intensely problematic. I mean, it's almost lampshaded in this episode where the doctor's standing outside the town and then Amy and Rory are standing next to him and they're like, how's this? And, like, last time, uh, Amy and Rory were just <laughs> not in the TARDIS. So, like, there is no... I mean, there's no continuity to that. And I think that that's a... It's a weird choice and I don't think... I mean, surprise, surprise, Moffin is, like, pulling that off. And, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be paying attention, but it's like... This is it, man. This is it. We have two more episodes of with the Ponds. We've gone through the th- three of the last five, and I don't know what the point is. I don't know what the point is, and maybe they'll pull it around, but I don't know what the point is.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that that's uh, that's the biggest downfall of this season. Is I think Moffitt was so preoccupied trying to make at least these first five because I'm hearing a rumor that. Uh, the rest of the season actually won't be constructed with the the movie poster idea. Oh, good. Um, it was just these first five episodes. Uh, uh, but he was so preoccupied with that concept that each, each episode is going to be a movie poster and it's a big blockbuster and it's this big deal. Um, being so preoccupied with that as a concept and falling in love with that as an idea... And then fulfilling on that to an extent that sort of – I mean it, it, it hurts the show because uh, these are our last five adventures with the pawns. And there's no sense of immediacy or anything. Forboding. Like foreboding. foreboding, yeah. Um, I just – I don't know. It just doesn't – it just doesn't – uh, it doesn't hit me in the right way. Well, and and um, that's the
1: problem is, like, going for the their movies aspect to Doctor Who, like, I appreciate the sentiment, and I think that, you know, Moffat is pushing more and more towards film, like, filmic like Doctor Who in general. But I think that the thing that people miss about movies is that movies <laughs> – I mean, it's obvious. Movies aren't television, but television has a continuity within episodes. There's a sense of time passing film like compare look at look at um look at star wars like between star wars episode 1 and star wars or star wars episode 4 and star wars episode 5 between new hope and empire strikes back you have a set amount of time and everyone's kind of grappling with new things like you, you get that on this and and it does lend itself to the doctor just dropping in and picking up the pawns like peter pan and going off to neverland for a little bit and then bringing him back but it, that's not that's not how i want to go out with the pawns. Like, that's not how I want them to go out. And that's my own expectations. But, like, I mean... That's more of a choice that you do with the new
0: companion. Yeah. You get a new companion, your first set of episodes should be like this. This... Not the end of the companion. That just seems silly. Well,
1: look 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 at what Martha did. Like, Martha, for the first half of her season, up until the end of the Lazarus experiment, is actually just, I'm going out for a ride with the Doctor. Like, that's the whole martha thing and then for the rest of the season Mm -hmm. she's a she's a companion for god knows how long with the puns it's like and this is like i don't know this is just it's just weird to me and it struck me as weird going back to even season six but the doctor will literally just dump the puns for a while and then come back to them and it's the weirdest thing and i guess that's like the best friend and the friend who goes off so you have the friend who stays at home and you have the friend who's like you know gallivanting across europe or whatever but uh, that continuity, that sense of, like, where we've been, where we're going has always struck me as very odd. Um, and, like, I mean, you open season six with Amy and Rory just hanging out at home just like, oh, the Doctor's off traveling. It's like, well, wh- why are you guys? Like, why why aren't you with him? Like, you took off with him. The Doctor never dropped you. And then... And what's... what's what? I guess what goes into their decision
0: to be like, we're going to go travel with the doctor on an adventure and then go home. Like what, like what goes into that decision for them now? Yeah. Like if they're content with being at home, why are they going with the doctor at all? Mm -hmm. I don't, I just don't get it. I don't get where their motivation is. Yeah, And I mean, Uh,
1: look at, look at Asylum of the Daleks. There's the big line of Asylum of the Daleks where Amy goes, is it really bad? I missed this. And it's like, well, if you missed it so much, why did you get out of the TARDIS at the end? Like, why did you get out yeah. of the TARDIS at the end and go, bye? It, just, it doesn't make any sense. And at least if you said, like, we're going to live at home, but if the Doctor ever wants to take us on a trip or once a year comes back, that that's something. But there is no mm-hmm. context to it. And it's like, for a, for a guy who people claim is doing a soap like, opera full... Ugh like, full relationship character Doctor Who, there's, there's a whole lot of lack of explanation about that. That is very weird. Um.
0: Okay, totally missed, totally missed opportunity. If they had set up in the first episode that once a year the Doctor would come and take them on an adventure, there's a total missed opportunity for a, like, a meta commentary on Doctor Day. Sure. Which is like what we as Doctor Who fans call Doctor Who premiere day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's Doctor. And you could do it like Stephen Moffat on Twitter could have been setting that up and been like, oh, Doctor, Doctor Day, Doctor Day, ah, oh, it's this day. And then you watch the episode and you're like, oh, Doctor Day, oh, there it is. It all makes sense. Yay, <laughs> hooray, we're all fans and together. <laughs> and it would have been a lovely sentiment and it would have brought the continuity around. And all fit together because then I know at the end of Asylum of the Daleks, I know that the next four episodes take place over the course of the next like four years.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And we're set. And then I know. And I know that every time that we're with Amy and Rory, something new is happening in their life. Yeah.
1: But I don't know. I don't know how much more I want to say about um, just like harping on Moffat because this was really good.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But I, I'm just—that's like a big complaint that I'm hearing, and I don't think that it's—it's it's not the episode's fault. It's the season's fault, as far oh, as I'm it, concerned.
1: It's—it's it's absolutely not the episode's fault. I mean, I—I I don't. If 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 it was just Amy, like I don't understand why they have to like set up the home life of Amy and Rory. I mean, because this episode, it's like Amy and Rory are traveling with the Doctor. And they just happen to wind up there. Like, it's just – this is just classic Doctor Who. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, you don't need to set up that the well, Doctor – Classic
0: Doctor Who, that's Toby Whitehouse's bread and butter.
1: Yeah, man. He loves it. He loves <laughs> it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's all over every episode he does.
1: You oh. know what I realized that I'm missing? And this is this is, this is is a recent thing. I was watching Delta and the Bannerman for the blog this week. And I realized – and I tweeted this. But I said, you know what? Stephen Moffat would never do – People riding a uh, a greyhound bus on in space, and I, that's one of those things that like it's very Davies to me. I mean, I mean that story. Oh, yeah. talked yeah, I it. mean very we, Davies.
0: I I talked about that. I was like, yeah. God, this feels like Davies.
1: <laughs> it's absolutely right. It's absolutely Davies. So like I I watch that and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And then I think about the episodes this this year and really going back. And Moffat is very interested in just heavy sci-fi stuff with just robots and spaceships and stuff like that, and that's fine that's 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 a hundred percent fine to me. but there is something that I find really wonderful about a cyborg in the old west um from like a pure like that's just it's just quintessential doctor Who it's like it's like that is everything that I want from a western Doctor Who story and like people are like dinosaurs on a spaceship it's like Well, this is, I mean, if they had just called this the old Western gunslinger cyborg, like, this would have been, like, that would have been this, but, like, this pushes that much farther and does it in a very, like, cool explanation way. There's a lot, there's a lot to the mythology that they build in, and they build it so effortlessly, like, so, so completely effortlessly. There's a lot of explaining in this episode, and it never feels like explaining. Yeah,
0: no, totally. There is, this is such a dense episode. Mm -hmm. uh whereas dinosaurs on a spaceship isn't dense it's actually all very surface um and that's that's the problem i think
1: (laughs) sure absolutely i I think
0: that's that's the that's the main difference between the two is that this is dense and dinosaurs on the spaceship has lots of stuff but never feels dense like it just feels like it's look at all this stuff Oh, what are you going to do
1: with this stuff? Nothing. The episode's already over. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. And that's the thing is like there is no sub there is no substance to uh, to dinosaurs on a spaceship. This had a lot. Like this had a lot of of really interesting ideas and material. This talk about the 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 surgeon who's just, you know, uh, who's like secretly an evil like Mangala sort of character is that the guy? I'm pretty sure that's the guy. Um, <laughs> uh, like, just he's a evil... Nazi scientist, right? Basically. The, the clear Nazi scientist allegory it was really interesting in the moral dilemma of putting everyone in in the in the moral gray area. Like, that's something that I realize is just totally Whit House. And I went back, like, I was think I was I was thinking about this for a long time. I was like, you know, like why. Why did I like this more than I like Dinosaurs on a Spaceship? And not for the, like, the obvious things. Like What I like about this is that, and this goes all the way back to School Reunion, Withouse's characters, good and bad, always have a point of view. Always. And it's it's very specific very always. Like, sure, the Krillotanes are rubbish. Like, I am not a Krillotane fan from School Reunion. But the Krillotanes, at the end of the day, did have a very specific reason for doing what they did. And the vampires in Venice had a very clear reason for doing what they did. And the Naimon off Minotaur character, I mean, was not, like, a, a, a specific character per se, but that was done with a very specific vision in mind. And this is really just pushing that to the logical extreme like mm-hmm. the cyborg has his own perspective he is there for revenge and for justice and the scientist guy like i mean not just the you have to carry souls up a mountain idea which was like awesome um he has his own perspective and the doctor's caught in the middle trying to figure out how to fix how to make these two people get what they want and it's like and it was just like this is the sort of like Good strong character work that I, I feel has been missing from Doctor Who since the last time Toby Woodhouse wrote. Like there is a, there is a, there's a nuance to it. There's a thing that makes you, it just makes you think. It makes you ponder. It makes you question. And it, I, like even today, I was still left thinking about the ramifications of who these characters were, what what it meant for them. And that's mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's what I want from the show. Like that's what I want. I don't want some evil guy who's just decides to shoot Triceratops is because you know, we have to show that. Um, and that's why, like, that's why I make my Whit house. Like, that's why I'm in for the frame. Um, yeah. Cause of that.
0: And then just structurally, like watching it the second time, I was just taken aback at how well structured this was. Like I remember watching it the first time and you know, you have those bookends of narration from the little girl or from the little girl's granddaughter or whatever, whatever the deal was. Um, and when I watched it the first time, you get to the end and then you're like, oh, she was talking about the cyborg the whole time. Oh, look at that. And I was, and I was just like, well, they didn't make it very obvious that that's who they were talking about at the beginning. They're, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a cheat. Then I watched it again. And I'm like, Oh, my God! she's totally talking about the cyborg right from the get go like she's talking about the guy that shows up immediately like mm-hmm. i and i was I was like taken aback at how well constructed those bookends were yes,
1: yes, absolutely and um, how
0: how 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 good that the double turnaround is with the in in that teaser like that's a phenomenal teaser because you have the thing that sets up like oh, she's talking about the Doctor. The narration is talking about the Doctor. And then he says, I'm looking for the Doctor. And you're like, oh, and he's looking for the Doctor. Oh, man, this is... Oh, the doc! The doctor must really do something crazy, awesome by the end of this, and then you just you realize that it was he wasn't talking about that doctor, and the narrator wasn't talking about the doctor either. <laughs>
1: like
0: I just love that! Like yeah. it was oh, it was so well done.
1: Mm-hmm. And and quintessentially Moffat. I think that it's it was I uh, my only complaint is that by the time that they got to the narration narration at the end, the first time I watched it, I was like. Oh, oh, right. We started with narration because the thing that I take away from that narration is not the the, the, the voiceover. It's the fact that we get like uh, nightscape in Spain and laser blasts and a probe and and this guy in a cyborg. Like all that stuff stuck out. So so when she started talking at the end, I was like, Wait, when, when did this? When was this set up? <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know, I wonder if, I wonder how much of that was actually cut out, because I feel like that little girl, I don't know, I feel like the little girl maybe should have been in it more or something, and I mean, that's a, that's a small quibble, um, but I'm wondering how much that was, it was trimmed down or cut out. Um, because well, it, to be
0: fair, if you're going to trim stuff, the first thing you're going to trim is narration.
1: Yes, absolutely. So,
0: um, I don't, I don't blame them for that, and I liked, I liked the book ending, so...
1: Yes, absolutely. And it felt like super classic and super wonderful. I mean, not like classic, but like super classic um, in a way that, you know, it just it just feels like an instant classic. And like that's I mean, that's that's what Toby Woodhouse does, man. The guy is so good. The guy is like he's Mm -hmm. just he's really good at what he's at what he's doing. And like, uh, yeah, yeah, his
0: his vision, too, is just it's so much you can tell that his vision is so much darker than what Moffat's vision is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just something I'm, I'm just I'm just interested in seeing I'm yeah. like play out completely, mm-hmm. um, over like a season arc just to see what that looks like I guess because it's it you can tell that his vision is dark but not Eric Sayward dark like not bad dark just darker you know.
1: Yeah, like, like a like a it's more um it's more like I don't what know. What
0: are the uh, ramifications of this guy going around doing this all the time? Like, yeah, it, what does that do to a person?
1: It's more realistic, which is like, I mean, it's like just from a more like it's just more well rounded. Like Moffat, Moffat has felt a little bit more towards like children and very simple stories. Like if you look at which is weird because of all the insane plotting of, of season 6 but you know remember when <laughs> remember when people, Moffat took over and people were like oh man it's going to get darker like Moffat's Doctor Who has not been very dark at all um no. and like like look at look at what he was saying and I won't I won't spoil the exact quote but like Moffat has famously not killed off characters like famously not killed off characters mm-hmm. Whithouse has set a precedent, not um, not in school reunions so much, and not in vampires in Venice so much, but in the God complex. You open with a murder, like you open with the vicious murder of something by a giant minotaur, and there are more deaths as the sh- as the story goes on. This, I mean, this has two major deaths, and they're very impactful. I mean, Ben Browder's death in particular is very like it just gets you, man. Like it's just like, ooh, that was that was. That was earned, but it was like I didn't want that to happen. Um, <laughs> but like, and that's that's I don't know. That's just more interesting to me. It, it, there's a sense of stakes and a sense of realness to it that I w- really appreciate because mm-hmm. I just feel like I haven't gotten that mm-hmm. ever. Um. Yeah, and you
0: just you you while you feel for like you feel for every character like all the new characters that are introduced in this uh to the point where you know I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel to this episode at some point in the future sure. because I would like to return to mercy I would yeah. um which is more than I can say for the dinosaur arc so uh, you know I I just I, 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 I just, God, I just love this episode. I really, or, really do. Or the Asylum Planet. Oh, wait, yeah. they
1: exploded that. Sorry. Right,
0: right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's just, <laughs> uh, but like, while he does really interesting, uh, dramatic things, uh, he's also, I mean, this episode is fun at the end of the day. Like it's, it's back to the future part three fun. Oh Yeah which oh, yeah. i love like man when <laughs> when the doctor is just like walking through town and walks into the saloon for the first time and he's like playing with the toothpick oh in the his toothpick mouth is the
1: best um it the and he gets caught
0: on the ro- roof of his mouth uh oh, so awesome yeah and 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 you know that's a thing that wasn't in the script you know it oh, wasn't yeah. oh yeah um and and I, I just – his body language in that where he comes in all cocky and then they all look at him and he gets scared for a second. Like he just snaps out of it for a second. <laughs> like Matt Smith's performance in this episode is so good.
1: Yeah. And like even the stuff – like I mean look at the way that he goes after the spaceship. Now the the spaceship, when he, when they hit the spaceship, it wasn't my favorite first of all because I hate – I don't know. It's fine that the doctor stop, talks hoarse but that's really just an excuse for – uh, it's really just a cover for I don't like seeing silence on the screen because I feel like I'm going to lose the people who are watching it. Um, mm-hmm. Which I, I'm not a fan of. But the way the, and this is all Metstein's, um direction and the editor, I forget the editor's name, but the editor's work as well. Um, uh, just the way that he goes about the spaceship was just delightful. Like it was just so. Yeah, the jump cuts? Yeah, the jump yeah, cuts the, were wonderful. Oh, the
0: jump cut montage was so good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and I liked like, it
0: the first time, and then the second time, I was like, "This is really good. These editors are awesome."
1: Yeah, this no, the editor on this, I forget, I forget his name, and I looked it up even, and then I forgot to write it down. Um, but the editor on this episode was outstanding. Like I really, really loved him. Um, and I oh forget, yeah. I, yeah. I forget, I forget what his name was, but like, and that's like the thing is, like when you, and this is a Sergio Leone thing, but, but like. When you watch a Western, Westerns, because of Leone and other people, Westerns really lend themselves to directors um, and editors. And a good editor and a good director really help set a tone and a mood and space, because space is very important in a Western. And the sense of space in this was so much better than, I, I hate harping on it again, but the the space in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, there is no sense of space in that story, despite the fact that it is, you know, giant corridors. Um, this This had, like, you could tell where people were, you knew how big things were, you knew how small things were, you knew how spread out it was, and it helped that they were on, you know, big, famous, old, Spanish, spaghetti western sets that were left over in Spain. But, you know... It's just, it's just, oh, it's so yeah. Great. No, I, so I, great.
0: I, love the set design on this. Um, mm-hmm. It was just very, like, classic uh, and and awesome. And you know, the thing too uh, that that I, I, I like about uh, Saul Metzstein as a director is it would have been so easy to shoot this like a spaghetti western, um, but you know, he didn't. <laughs> and he, he, he. I mean, he definitely gave the episode energy, but it still felt like Doctor Who. Despite it not looking anything like Doctor Who, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is, uh, he, I think he realized that it was enough. You know, yeah. Um, it was. It was. I mean, I just. I don't really like this episode. Yeah. No, this is and, everything. And I mean... This is everything that I wanted from the uh, from the William Hartnell episode. <laughs> <laughs> the last time Doctor Who did a western.
1: Sure, sure. And I guess the less said about that, the better. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: for me, uh, for me, uh, yes.
1: Not me, man. I love that story. Um but but yeah, and I I I think that it's interesting that he chose like for his spaghetti western moments, like he chose the right moments to go spaghetti western. But the rest mm-hmm. of it was all very classic Doctor Who just wedging itself into a new genre, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um like the 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 showdown moment, the uh the Oh, the, the-
0: showdown moment was phenomenal. And there's, you know, a couple sort of. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, but the but the big high noon showdown moment was just such a Doctor Who moment I loved it,
1: oh yeah, and it was total spaghetti western the way it was cut like it was just it just reminded me of the Le- Leone westerns just in the way that it's put together and then the twist of the of the sonic screwdriver and the giant explosion of the clock tower was great and the runaround was awesome like and all of the action sequences the running through the wilderness like of of Ben Browder and um and Rory was great um and the like th- those were all wonderful like just really 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 well put together um mm-hmm. and i i don't know i found myself completely engrossed in all of the action pieces um in ways that i feel like doctor who hasn't in a while um there's a, it's and it's interesting cuz there's there is no difference from the director this week and the director last week they're the same guy but it just shows you I wonder what if good, the
0: editor is different
1: I don't know if the editor is different but I know that it's also like what good material can bring from someone yeah you know? like yeah. Uh, like good material just brings out good stuff like and he knew what he had to do he went out and he did it and it was just like it just it was so good and it was one of those things where it's like look last week I complained about how much money they're spending if they're spending money on this like this that's fine that's mm-hmm. fine let's do that um which was great. Just really, really, really great. Um, yeah. No, I love this. I really love this. See? I can like Doctor Who. I can like it.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, uh, before we move on, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything you can get from a local comic book shop you can get from DCBService.com. You place your orders two months in advance uh, with uh, monthly discount specials up to 75% off. Uh, bundle specials up to 50% off and regular discounts of 40% off. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like and you only pay 6.95 in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Next week is The Power of Three and the return of Chris Chibnall. Uh, and we both thought the same thing. We text each other about it. This episode looks really good. <laughs> so here's hoping chris chibnall pulls it off because you know i don't have any ill will toward the guy so i'd love to love one of his episodes yeah. so bring it i mean hey you know what if steve thompson can do it anyone can <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but no this looks this looked this looked great like i was like i was like all right let's see what you got chris chibnall and maybe it was the editing on the trailer but man this just looks yeah. awesome no, the thing,
0: that, the thing that really, like, piqued my interest was just one line where, where she was like, the year of the slow invasion. And I was like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I want that. Yeah. Bring that. Because you never hear about that. Yeah, man. Uh, that's – it's just – I don't know. It, so, it sounds cool. Looks cool. Bring it. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Bring it. Uh, and, and, and next week will bring us our last trailer for a long time. <laughs> uh because you know there won't be a trailer for the christmas special that won't be
1: a thing yeah no it's gonna be like it's gonna be like aren't you sad and then, then it'll be like doctor- the doctor
0: will return in uh the title of the christmas special that's what it'll be watch them not. no you know what on. i take it back i take it back that's what it always is it won't be that this time because moffat just likes to not stick with tradition <laughs> Ugh. <it's> so frustrating <laughs> Yeah. Uh yeah, it'll just be the doctor will return Christmas. That's all it'll say. <laughs> Man, that's sad. It is sad. Uh, also sad the doctor won't be returning until Christmas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: God. You're not wrong. You are not. Alright. Well anyway, next week the power of three. Looking forward to it. Yes. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Um in the meantime, uh, you can follow us on Twitter on twitter dot com slash scott Corelli. I also have an alternate Twitter account twitter.com slash scott commentary, where I live tweet. I occasionally live tweet whatever I'm watching. Usually, it's DS9. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Matt, what about you? Uh,
1: I'm on Twitter twitter dot com slash which is my main Twitter account. Also, gd commentary, which is my Twitter account where I. I apparently tweet about things that really capture my interest, um, like Avatar, <laughs> The Last Airbender, uh, which I'm working my way through. Oh. Also, my blog, Classical Gallery. <laughs> With a
0: lot of caps. Yeah.
1: Oh, oh, so many caps. So many caps. Um, bust a <laughs> cap. Um, uh, so, so <laughs> also, You bust a cap. Yeah, you know, bust them. Uh, also, my blog, Classical com, where I talk about Classic Who episodes. Uh, and those usually come out in the beginning of the week. Sometimes things happen, and they're a little bit late. Um, but not... Not for much longer. No, oh, not for much longer. I think I have 15 more to do, and then I'm done. Um, 15 more, and then Cassandra has two that she's doing. Um, so uh, keep an eye out for that. This week I talked about Delta and the Bannermen. Uh, last week I talked about Delta and the Bannerman. This coming week I'm talking about Terror of the Zygons. That won't suck. Um, so uh, keep an eye out for that. And the uh, week after Zygons, good stuff. That's all I'm saying. Good stuff. Good stuff. Mm.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you can email us at a podcast at mindrobber.net. Go to the website, leave comments to this episode and other episodes you might listen to. Uh, and you should be listening to The Mind Robbers, our flagship podcast. If you're not, you're making a very large mistake. And shame on you. <laughs> so go subscribe and listen. Uh, And while you're there, leave a review on iTunes. Uh, We got an iTunes review this week from from Tiffany from the site. Yeah, that
1: was was, awesome. Thanks, Tiffany. That was a great review. Thanks. I like
0: that. Um, All right. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week with the Power of Three. Bye. Bye.